The Penguins' best player is, duh, Sidney Crosby. The Penguins' most important player is Tristan Jari. The Penguins' most pivotal player is someone who doesn't get mentioned a whole heck of a lot. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It'll be Penguins versus Blue Jackets tonight at PPG Paints Arena. Face-off is at 7.08. I'll be there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. And I'll be watching, as will I think a lot of people, a lot of Jeff Petrie. Why? Well, it's pretty obvious that somebody needs to step up and be the number one defenseman on this team. It's equally obvious that it's got to be Petrie. Why? Well, he hasn't been the team's best defenseman to date. That's been Marcus Pedersen. He's probably not the one at this stage of his career in the mid-30s who's got the highest remaining ceiling. That would appear to be P.O. Joseph. But he's the one, the only one on the team capable of naturally stepping into such a role. Why? Put him on the first team power play, as the Penguins have done. And he's done that forever. Did it in Montreal? Cross point from no less than Shea Weber. They were both relied on to drive the Habs power play from either point. The Canadians weren't exactly loaded up front when they stunningly made it to the Stanley Cup final a couple years ago. They had Carey Price in the back, and they had the two big point guys on the power play. That was it. That was the formula. He's also a lifelong regular on the PK, and he's pretty decent at it. Uses that size, uses that reach, uses that anticipation, and of course, the strength that he's got that he puts into the shot also puts into the clear. I was telling you guys about him a week before the trade was actually consummated this past summer and said you'd like him. If the Penguins go ahead and succeed in getting him, you're going to like him. And it didn't happen right away, did it? He was a little slow out of the gate. Uh, He acknowledged it, to his credit, said there was just something to getting used to a whole new team for the first time in a long time, a whole new system, a whole new group of forwards. So what Mike Sullivan and Todd Reardon, who runs the, the defense during the games, did with him, and and I liked this a lot, including at the time, and shared it with you, was that they kind of eased him in. They didn't give him that number one defense burden or pressure or anything like that, and that's easy to do when you have Latang on your roster. But when you don't, when you don't, well, listen to Sullivan after practice yesterday at PPG Paints Arena. So I think Jess played well. You know, he's a he's a real good player. He's a great athlete. Um, he's he's good on both sides of the puck. And uh, you know, obviously, when when Chris is out, we're looking for guys to to step up and fill that void. And uh, you know, we've probably asked Jeff to to fill the biggest part of that uh, with respect to the power play and uh, things of that nature. Uh, he knows. He knew. And what no one associated with the Penguins will tell you, and I say this with immense respect to Latang's current situation, you always have to plan for any player at that age to be more prone to missing time in the lineup. 
And in turn, you need to have an insurance policy, and the Penguins are very fortunate to have picked up this one. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. But what's been neat about this specific scenario with Petrie moving to the number one defense position is that everyone assumed it. There wasn't even probably a split second wasted on making a decision as to who'd be elevated. Obviously, Petrie has the experience, and just as obviously, I would hope, he's right-handed, like Latang. I brought this up with Petrie himself, and his response, as you'll be able to hear, it, it, that same sentiment comes across. Yeah, yeah, obviously, he's a... Uh, you know, having that, having him out, uh, it's a big loss. Uh, but I think, you know, myself is going to step up. I think everybody um, is going to step up. I think, you know, really stepping in the lineup whenever he does is doesn't look like. Now, I've got one more thing to add to this, and I feel it's going to be pretty important over the next few games. Sullivan and Reardon need to leave Marcus Pedersen with Petrie. They tried, and I don't know why, but they tried Brian Dumoulin there in Latang's first game out and part of the second. And no, okay, stop trying to create or recreate something that no longer exists. Brian Dumoulin was, past tense, a championship-level, complementary top-pairing defenseman. He had a perfect role, and he filled it, and he filled it, to use the term again, at a championship level. That will always be to his credit. He is not that player anymore. He's not going to materialize magically again. Pedersen has been your actual best defenseman. Put yourself together, a top pairing that you can trust in any and all situations, and with the kind of ice time that's involved for a top pairing and the kind of matchups that are involved. Sorting out the rest of the pairings and the rest of the usages, that's a whole lot easier. When we come back, J1Q. J1Q comes from Mike, who says the edge that Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, Marcus Pedersen, Jason Zucker, and others can play with comes naturally. Can coaching somehow get a little of that to rub off on Kasperi Kapanen or other players for that matter? Would that extra edge invite the anti-Mike Sullivan non-violence just play hockey Credos, no, no, and no. It's what I have to all of your questions there. I'm going to give you a, a, an example here that might throw you a little bit because it's not a player that most people talked about even in the very short time he was in the NHL. But you'll recall Anthony Angelo. 
really big dude, had enough skill and enough speed for a big guy that, you know, and this is something that you tip your cap to him, he did make it to the NHL. That's an achievement in and of itself. But something that I'd heard behind the scenes was that Sullivan would tell Angelo, and in turn, his assistant coaches would reinforce the same message, that if you want to stick in the NHL, whether it's in Pittsburgh or anywhere else, you're going to have to develop some kind of mean streak. You're going to have to become a mean SOB to a certain degree, at least when you're playing ice hockey. A similar message was put forth to Sam Lafferty because these guys were both of them. And they obviously they came up together and they were in the minors together. They could score enough and they could score at the AHL level to the point where they could convince themselves that this was going to be their thing. They're just big dudes who crash the net to score goals. And that's not always the path, okay? Certainly not in the modern NHL where speed and skill far outweigh size and snarl. And no matter what they would say to Angelo, including bringing up, like, here's how much money you could make, da 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 You could set yourself up for life. You could, it, nothing would work. I mean, it would work. It would work for a game or two. And they would go out and they'd be tough and they'd maybe even drop the gloves or whatever else. Not that anybody seeks that, but it's just another sign, right? And you can't coach it. You can't instill it. Uh, Players either have that or they don't. Now, rare are the players who have that and somehow magically off the ice are just these warm, genteel creatures, you know? who just, I don't know, collect flowers and admire the sunshine or whatever in life. But no, the answer is no. You're not going to turn Kapanen into some kind of, uh, some nasty, gritty role player who could pump home 20 for you, but at the same time really, you know, raise hell along the boards and in front of the net. He's just not that guy. He doesn't have that in him. And you can't manufacture it, at least not for any sustained period. In my lifetime of covering this team, I can't recall a single instance in which someone who didn't already have these genes had them coached up. Not one. I've seen them develop additional toughness become a little bit tougher in certain situations. I'm going to throw an example at you here, too. This one goes way further back, and that's Alexei Morozov, first-round pick. Alexei had a really rough time in his early stages in the NHL with physical contact. It wasn't so much because he was like some kind of wussy or something. It's just that he'd played a lot of time in Russia and in Europe, and it just wasn't part of the game, and he thought it was weird. You know, it'd be like if you were playing baseball and somebody was all of a sudden trying to tackle you for no reason while you're hitting. It'd be a bit of a challenge, right? Well, Alexei eventually got used to the brand of hockey and showed a natural that he already had inherent toughness in being able to absorb hits and make the plays that were needed to score. But he didn't become mean. 
you're either that or you're not. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Mm-hmm.